we do, I'm going to ask a helper, uh, Tai, to come on up here. We're going to ask that this microphone be turned on. Now, Tai is in the Adventurer Club, and uh, one of the things that I think it's, is it Eager Beavers? Is that right? Yeah? One of the things that the Eager Beavers are doing is they've had the opportunity to choose someone who works in the church to kind of shadow and follow along and be a helper to. Is that right, Miss Sam? Yeah? Okay. <laughs> and so Tai, when given the options, you know, a Sabbath school teacher, a deacon, an elder, she actually chose to, to hang out with me for a little bit. And so um, I'm asked Tai if she would lead us in the prayer just before we get into the word this morning. All right? Go ahead, Tai. Dear Jesus, thank you for this beautiful Sabbath day. Thank you for watching over us and protecting us. I pray that you will come and lay your hands on each one of us so that we will be held from sin. Help our faith in you be strong and steadfast. May we all believe in your word always and may we all have faith and trust in your holy word. Be with our pastor as he speaks today. I ask this in your, in Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you, Tai. I tell you what, we are blessed. <laughs> we are blessed as a family of families, like I said earlier. And this morning, I hope um, mothers among us, I hope you sense the blessing of God upon you. Because day by day, whether we've said it or not, we have sensed the blessing of God through you. So thank you. Thank you for your patience. <laughs> thank you for your endurance. Thank you for all that you've labored through, literally. And um, I, I pray that God's hand would be heavy upon you this, this day and this weekend. Um, there's a powerful promise. If you hadn't seen it yet, it's in Isaiah chapter 49. Uh, you can turn there with me. I'll read it for you. Isaiah chapter 49, beginning in verse 14, and we'll also read verse through, I'm sorry, 14 through 16. It's Isaiah 49, verses 14 through 16. If you're there, say amen. All right, Isaiah 49, verses 14 through 16. Reading from the New King James, it says, But Zion, that's God's people, but God's people have said, The Lord has forsaken me, and my Lord has forgotten me. Has anyone ever been there, done that? <laughs> and then God responds in verse 15, Can a woman forget her nursing child and not have compassion on the son of her womb? And the obvious answer, mothers, is what? Of course not, right? Of course not. The rest of the verse says, surely they may forget, however impossible that may be. Yet God says, I will not forget you. Verse 16, see, I have inscribed you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are continually before me. Praise the Lord that he is a father to the fatherless, a mother to the motherless. The God who is always by our side. He has never forgotten us. And so this morning, we're going to be checking out another personal encounter in the Gospel of Mark. All right, we're in part two of our series, Just You and Me, Personal Encounters with a Personal God. What happens when God actually meets you individually? Maybe in the masses, but he moves to meet your individual need. What happens when you and I come face to face with Jesus? I believe this morning that we serve a personal God. Amen? 
that he is not just interested in, in, in relationship from a distance, but in intimacy of personal acquaintance with you and I. And so this morning, we're carrying on in our series. Last week, we looked at Mark chapter 5, the beginning of Mark chapter 5. We saw the story of a demoniac, right? He was on the other side of the, the Sea of Galilee, and when Jesus and his disciples came, that demoniac found that when Jesus comes to his shore, he can come exactly as he is. He doesn't have to change himself before he meets Jesus, but Jesus comes to him just as he is. And when Jesus comes, and it's just you and him, he has power to restore you like you've never experienced before. And that's a story worth sharing, amen? And so this morning we're looking at another story in Mark chapter 5 as well. Go ahead if you haven't opened there already. Mark chapter 5, it was read for us in our scripture. Mark chapter 5, this is actually a story within a story. It's a story within a story. And so we're actually going to start with verse 24. The Bible says, So Jesus went with him, and a great multitude followed him and thronged him. All right, so here's the picture. Jesus, remember, when he healed the demoniac, the townspeople came out and said, how in the world did we just lose 2,000 pigs in one day, right? The townspeople come out, they, they expect to see this great catastrophe, and suddenly they see Jesus, who has healed this demoniac. He's sitting, he's clothed, he's in his right mind. And what do the townspeople do? What do they ask Jesus to do? Would you please just... Just leave? <laughs> I'm not sure what to do with your power. It's ironic. It's tragically ironic that God has power to restore, yet sometimes we're afraid of that. And so the people on the other side of the lake, they said, please, just, just leave. So Jesus, being a perfect gentleman, he actually crosses to the other side again. And when he gets to the other side, it's not just one person, not just a demoniac that comes to him. It's a whole multitude. It's a whole multitude, and they're thronging him. I don't know how many times you've been in a public place where it's extremely crowded, where you're actually moving an inch a second. Have you ever been in something like that? I don't know. Maybe it's the Pathfinder Fair or something. No. <laughs> Pathfinder Fair, by the way, next weekend at Central Valley Christian Academy. Um, sorry, I forgot to plug that announcement in too. Huh? 10 a.m. parade, 12 o'clock food, activities in the afternoon. Okay, anyways. But here's the thing. Sometimes we're in these crowds and, and we, I don't know about you, I get kind of claustrophobic. I start holding my breath. I'm not quite sure. <laughs> Whoa. And so Jesus is thronged by the crowd, but there's an individual. His name is Jairus. It says in verse 22, Behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet. And here's Jairus. A man of stature, a man of status, and he's laid out before Jesus and says, look, my daughter's almost going to die unless you come and lay your hands on her. And so what does Jesus do? What does Jesus do? He goes with him. Do you realize that in your moment of need, Jesus, the God of the universe, who has a to-do list infinitely greater than yours and mine, is willing to move according to your need. We're talking about a personal God. And he's moving with Jairus, even if it is an inch a second. Okay? And so he's moving with the crowd. The crowd is pressing him, literally throttling him. Verse 25, it says, Now, here's the story within the story. Now a certain woman nameless, an individual, 
Now, a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years. Now, I'm not a woman. Praise the Lord. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> no, 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 no. Oh, boy, that was bad. <laughs> no. Anyways, we'll just rewind the tape. <laughs> now, I'm not a woman, so I, can't, I can only sympathize. I cannot empathize. But the women in this congregation... When they read this sentence, a woman with a flow of blood for 12 years? Your thoughts are much different than my thoughts, okay? <laughs> That's what I'm saying. All right. Here we go. <laughs> so I'm not a woman. But I can guess that this condition is not a happy one. This is not a walk through Disneyland. 12 long years of feeling like that. And it says in verse 26, she had suffered many things from many physicians. Now this is not a knock on the health profession. This is to highlight the amount of suffering she was currently experiencing. She had suffered many things from many physicians. Verse 26, she had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather what? Grew worse. Now, this is not the kind of condition you and I would ever want to be in. Now, she's a nameless woman. It says a certain woman in verse 25. Yet, you get the idea that she has money, and she has money to spend, which in that society would, would probably imply certain things, that probably this was a woman of high status who had a good amount of wealth. She wasn't just going to traditional healers. She was actually going to paid professional physicians. So she spent all her money. But here's the thing. When you are bleeding in that society, you're considered ceremonially what? Unclean. And when you're ceremonially unclean, guess what your interactions with are like with the community? None. None. Not just for a day. Not just for a month. Not just for a year. But 12 <coughs> long, painful years. And so this is a comprehensive picture of suffering. She's physically suffering. She's emotionally suffering. She's socially suffering. She's cut off from anything and anyone that could offer sympathy or help. And even the ones who are trained to help can't. If you were to come up with a word to describe her condition, what word would you use? Victim? What other words come to your mind? Brutal? Someone say brutal. Miserable. Painful. Pitiful. Anemic? Yeah. <laughs> Hopeless. Tired. Helpless. Weak. Depressed. How about this one? Lonely? Sure. Yeah, totally cut off. Isolated. How about this one? Desperate desperate. It was a desperate time in her life. And she probably had what others would say was one option. Live with it. Suck it up. Good luck. Have a nice life. And if the story stopped there, we wouldn't be surprised. But praise the Lord, the story doesn't stop at verse 26. The Bible continues. My Bible says, when she heard about Jesus. 
When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Now here's the turning point in the whole story. Someone who is hopeless, someone who is helpless, someone who is desperate and depressed could have just faded off into the distance, could have just fallen off the map, uh, no longer on the radar of God's screen. But she hears about Jesus. Do you realize that Jesus changes everything? (laughs) When Jesus comes to, to the picture, Jesus changes everything. And suddenly, her hopeless condition becomes a hopeful opportunity. And she says to herself, Oh, I've heard about this guy. All I need to do is reach and touch his clothes. And I'll be made well. Simple, subtle, unobtrusive. It's not like she's falling before his feet like Jairus did, blocking his way or anything. She's just going to come up behind. She's, She's unassuming, unobtrusive. Let me just touch But do you realize that this woman was taking a great risk? She had a conclusion of faith in her mind. Jesus can help. Jesus changes everything. But it wasn't just a conclusion of faith. It wasn't just an opinion of faith. It became an action of faith. And that action was to take the risk and go ahead and touch him. The the Greek word, it, it implies this idea of fastening herself to him. And so she actually does this. Now, now, again, realize, she's ceremonially unclean, which means she's supposed to be separated from all others. And yet she's willing to press through the crowd. Okay, so she's willing to make contact. She's just basically throwing all that stuff aside. She says, I I know what I need. I'm in a desperate condition, and this is my answer. And so anything that's going to hold her back, she, she could care less at that moment. And, and she, so she, she goes, she reaches, and let alone, I mean, women aren't supposed to touch men in public in that society. First century Judaism, mm not supposed to happen. Yet again, she throws that aside because she knows that Jesus can change everything. And so she reaches and touches, and there's an immediate result. The Bible continues, verse 29. Remember, Mark uses that word immediately a lot. And here it comes again, verse 29. Immediately, the fountain of her blood was dried up. I mean, how graphic is that? The fountain of her blood was dried up. Everything was completely reversed. It says in verse 29, And she felt in her body that she was healed of the, my Bible says, affliction. Whoa! Affliction, the Greek word, it's later translated in Acts 22 and Hebrews chapter 11 as a scourge or a whip. She was healed of something very torturous, very painful. And you realize that this wasn't just some scrape. This was something that totally throttled her life. She had no hope. It was painful. It was torturous. And immediately she's healed. Same word is often translated as saved. She was saved from her scourge, healed of her affliction. Physically, emotionally, socially, all these things completely turned around. Friends, what is your scourge? What is that that which painfully tortures your heart and soul? Maybe it's not a literal bleeding, 
But maybe your heart has been bleeding for years on end. This morning, friends, what is your scourge? What, what is it that, that has, has drained your life energy? What is it that in your heart of hearts and in your mind of minds has cut you off from certain people, has cut you off even from God, feeling like every time you approach, you, 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 you just shouldn't even be there? What is it for you? Jesus wants to heal you of that today. And he can heal you of that. And so the story continues. Verse 30. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, what? Who touched my clothes? <laughs> do, you, do you still have the movie playing in your mind? Right? What's Jesus doing? Inch per second, right? Why? Because there's a crowd of people pressing in on him. And he says, someone just touched me. <laughs> who, who just touched me? And the disciples are flabbergasted. Verse 31. But his disciples said to him, what? you see, hello, you see what I see. You see, you see the multitude thronging you. And you say, who touched me? And he looked around to see her who had done this thing. Jesus like, doesn't even pay attention to the disciples, just keeps looking. Who is it? Who was it? Who was it? Looks around. Verse 33. But the woman, fearing and trembling. Now remember, she had taken a risk. She had gone through a crowd as an unclean woman. She had actually touched a man in public. So maybe, just maybe, the woman's thinking, oh, maybe I really messed up here. <laughs> maybe I shouldn't have done this after all. So fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. Nothing held back. Right? It's, like, it's like a confession time. Verse 34. And he said to her, what's the very first word that comes out? Daughter. Daughter, your faith has made you Why do you think that Jesus even went through the effort of saying daughter? Why didn't he just say, hey, your faith has made you well? Why didn't he just say, hello, lady, <laughs> woman, your faith has made you well? Why the word daughter? To make it personal. Because it was a term of endearment. Because Jesus knew that she had felt cut off from the family. She hadn't experienced the joy of being in a family of families. She hadn't experienced the joy of being part of community. She had even felt cut off from the family of heaven. And here's the Son of God saying, Daughter. <laughs> Daughter. Son. My boy. My girl. <laughs> daughter. Jesus restores not just her physical healing, not just her physical suffering, but everything emotionally, socially, relationally. Jesus restores the whole person. Do you realize that when you come to Jesus, you can find complete healing in him? Amen. Complete. Amen. Complete. No questions, ifs, ands, or buts. Complete. So Jesus says, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Peace. That is something the world cannot give. Peace. 
Go in peace and be healed of your scourge, of your affliction. Whatever it was that was torturing you, whatever it was that was draining you for 12 long years, whatever it was that was cutting you off from everything and everyone important to you, go. You've been made whole. Go in peace. Beautiful story. Powerful story. And here's a woman, whether she's a mother or not, I'm not sure, but here's a woman that we can learn from. Because she is able to reach for Jesus with a kind of contact that the crowd did not. Here's a woman who actually saw her need. She, she came to the conclusion of faith, but it led to an action of faith. And my question is, where in the world does that kind of faith come from? Where does that come from? How, at what point did things start turning around for this woman? She was in a hopeless condition. But she went ahead, reached for Jesus, and touched him in a way that the crowd did not. In a way that Jesus could discern a difference. Do you realize that there's a difference between the touch of faith and the casual contact of the crowd? Do you realize that difference? Because everybody was touching Jesus, but only one experienced his healing power. So where does that faith come from? I would submit that it comes from verse 27. Verse 27, this is the critical turnaround. Right in verse 25 and 26, where we have this portrait of suffering, hopelessness, uh, helplessness, powerlessness, painful. And then in verse 27, it's that key phrase, when she heard about Jesus. That was the catalyst to change, to transformation, to healing. Do you realize that the word about Jesus has power to change your life? In Romans chapter 10, maybe you can keep a finger here. Go, go to Romans 10 really quickly. Romans chapter 10, you go Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans. Romans chapter 10, Paul is making this powerful argument concerning his people, the children of Israel. And he's saying, you know what? The Lord wants to save these people too. And, and it's my deepest desire to save these people. And so he's making this heartfelt appeal. But he starts asking questions like, wait a minute, how can they be saved if no one goes to preach to them? How can they be saved? How can they call upon the Lord and, no, and they have no opportunity to hear. And so in verse 17, it says this. Romans 10, verse 17. If you're there, say, I'm there. I'm there. Okay. Romans 10, 17, it says this. So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by what? The Word of God. Does anybody else's Bible say it differently? By hearing the good news of Christ. In this context... We're talking about not just, not just any word from God, but specifically the word about who Jesus is. Because Paul is making an argument. He's saying, hey, look, you remember those Old Testament passages? Like the one from Joel chapter 2, verse 32. It says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord, he shall be saved. You remember that? Whoever calls on the name of the Lord, he shall be saved. And he's making an argument. The Lord is Jesus. So if you're calling on Jesus, you're going to be saved. But how can they call on Jesus if they've never heard about him? And so he says, faith comes by hearing, hearing the word about Christ. And here's this woman in living color, a living illustration. When she heard about Jesus, what happened in her heart? That hopelessness turned into hopefulness. That faithlessness turned into saving faith. 
And so when she heard about Jesus, things turned around. The word of Jesus is power. Did you know? When you hear that Jesus can do this or that, you realize, whoa, 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 Jesus can do that in someone else's life? Why cannot Jesus do that in my life? And that's where faith started to spring up in her own heart. But here is what struck me this week as I was studying this story. The question crossed my mind. Didn't all those other people in the crowd that day hear about Jesus as well? (laughs) I mean, why, why else had they gone out to meet him on the edge of the sea? Didn't all the others have word about Jesus as well? And the reality is they did. So there must be we, we recognize, yes, there, there is a, a, a transforming power in the word about Jesus, but there has to be some other condition in which the catalyst can have effect. And what condition would that be? I believe that what separated the woman's experience from the crowd's experience was that this woman knew her need I'll say it again, that the woman knew her need, and she knew it desperately. Here's the crowd. They have word about Jesus, and they say, oh, let's go check him out. Let's go see what he looks like. Let's go see if we can touch him. (laughs) And so they have an opinion about Jesus. Yeah, sure, maybe he's a great miracle worker. But they, unlike the woman, have no idea that they need healing themselves. Yet here's a woman who senses her desperation, who senses her suffering, who senses her need for someone that no one else could do. And when she realized that condition, when that condition met that catalyst, that was the combination that led to transformation. That was it. So the word about Jesus meets a condition of need, and suddenly, it's like a chemical reaction. I'm not a science teacher. Mr. Reeve, maybe you can help me out someday and figure out an illustration of this. But, But here's the word. It has all the potential to change your life. However, if the heart does not sense a need for that change, then that word is going to fall on hard soil. Do you remember that parable? Jesus told a parable about a sower who sowed seed, right? Seed. It has all the DNA to make things grow, to make things happen, to make life happen where there was no life. But he throws out this seed and it lands on four different types of what? Of soil. Some of it's hard pat, has no chance for life. Some of it's rocky, and when things spring up, it quickly withers. Some of it's thorny, and when things spring up, other things choke it out. But some of it's good soil, and that's the proper condition for that catalyst of the Word of God. And so is it possible, is it possible that this woman's heart was good soil because, specifically because, she knew She needed the Savior. Here's the problem, friends. If I read Revelation correctly, the church of Laodicea is talking about us, right? If I read Revelation correctly, the church of Laodicea, our present condition is like this. You think you're rich, but you're not. (laughs) You think you've got it all, but you're wretched, poor, miserable, blind, and naked. What? And so, if I read Revelation correctly, 
We can come in contact with the Word all we want, but we'll never experience its power unless somehow God is able to do a miracle and cause us to sense our need. So what does that mean for you and me? Practically speaking, what now? First of all, come to Jesus day by day and hear about him. Okay, that's, I mean, we've got to put ourselves at least in position for the seed to fall, okay? We've got to put ourselves in position for the word to be ringing in our ears. So day by day, if you haven't done it already, carve out time, time to hear about Jesus. This may seem very cliche. You know, I, I sing to my, child, my children every day. Read your Bible, pray every day. Wait, wait, wait. Am I the only one that knows that song? <laughs> pray every day, pray every day. Read your Bible, pray every day, and you'll grow. grow. You want to finish it out? And you'll grow, grow, grow. And you'll grow, grow, grow. Last line. Read your Bible, pray every day, and you'll grow, grow, grow. It may seem cliche, but this is the change agent. The Word of God has power to heal. And so why rob ourselves of that opportunity to be exposed day by day? Not just once a week, not just in Sabbath school, not just in church. But when it's just you and me, Jesus, one-on-one, let me hear about you. Whether you're landing in the Gospels, whether you're landing in Leviticus, ask God to help you hear about Jesus. Because from cover to cover, Jesus is being revealed. And so maybe the simple question that we can ask, as you read a short passage in the morning or in the evening, whatever that quiet time is for you, the simple question to ask is, Jesus, what do you want me to hear about you today? Try it. Try it. What do you want me to hear about you today? Now, I'm not just talking about that time in which you spend studying the Sabbath school lesson. Please do it, because the Word is going to give you exposure to that transforming power. Do that. But what I am talking about specifically is time alone where it's, no, it's not an assignment, it's not an agenda. Your specific goal and purpose is, Jesus, what do you want me to hear about you today? So maybe that should be one, the first step. Expose yourself to the changing agent, the word about Jesus. The second one is the most difficult for me. The second one is most difficult because I have no idea how to practically make this happen. And the second one is this. Sense your need. <laughs> but how do you do that? <laughs> That's the one I've been wrestling with. So if you have a solution, please help me out. <laughs> how do you sense your need? Maybe it comes as you hear about Jesus. The more you hear about what he does and what he has and who he is and that you see your own lack, maybe that's where it happens. But whatever process God uses, ultimately it's the Holy Spirit who actually gives you the good sense to realize, wait a minute, I am wretched. I am miserable. I am poor, blind, and naked. I don't know. I don't know how it is that we need to sense our need, but we need to. (laughs) That's the condition of the heart in which the seed can actually take impact. So you've got your connect card. Go ahead and pull it out at this time. You got your connect card. If you haven't already, go ahead and fill in your name. The best way to contact you on the front.
But on the back is, is what we want to talk about now. On the back side, you've got two boxes. The one on the right says, hey, I'm interested in, and you can check any of those that apply. If you're interested in baptism, friends, if you're interested in giving your heart in, in complete surrender to Jesus, check that box. If you've never been baptized before, if you want to be rebaptized, go ahead and check that. If you're interested on information on how to become a member here at Parkwood, we've got little slips there in the back of the hostess desk or the host desk. But, but if you'd like a personal call, go ahead and check that box. If you would like to receive Bible studies, if you would like to receive Bible studies, we've got individuals here who are willing to give Bible studies. And so go ahead and check that. And if you're interested in participating in a ministry, if you want to get involved, friends, I pray that you want to get involved, so go ahead and check that. And maybe you have an idea of how you want to get involved. Maybe you have no idea what the options are. <laughs> maybe it's a Sabbath school. Maybe it's, hey, you want to be able to help out with the worship team week by week. Um, maybe you've got special gifts and talents that you would like to share sometime. Um, we talked about the Grateful Survivors Registry last week, and some of you mentioned that you were interested in that. You know, the options are really endless. Maybe there's a ministry that is lacking here. Maybe it, it doesn't even exist yet, but God has laid it on your heart. And so maybe you just want to put that down and you want to be contacted about that. So go ahead and fill that right side out. But here now, the left side. My next step today. The reality is, friends, we can hear truth, but we need to act on truth. Amen? Because the reality, you know, the woman, she had that conclusion of faith. She said, oh, maybe Jesus can help me. But it moved her to action. So we're hearing truth today, but what action is it moving you to? My next step today the first one there, I choose to personally reach for Jesus with the touch of faith, not just the casual contact. Friends, I pray you would check this box. <laughs> and as you check this, this is really a revolt against Laodicea. <laughs> this is a, a revolt to rise up and say, no, Laodicea will no longer be my mode of operation, my M.O. I will reach with the touch of faith and not just the casual contact. The second option is this. This week, I will read one story a day from one of the four Gospels to hear about Jesus for myself. Simple step. Practical step. And that's what we're trying to do here. We're trying to get practical what is something I can do to act on the message that I'm hearing today? So this week, if that's your decision, you want to read one story a day from one of the four Gospels to hear about Jesus for yourself, go ahead and check that. doesn't necessarily mean reading a whole chapter. It doesn't necessarily mean reading a whole book. But just taking one of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, just reading enough to be able to ask Jesus, okay, Jesus, what do you want me to hear about you today? So that's that second box. The third box is this one. Each day this week... I will ask God to sensitize my heart to my need for Him. Each day this week, I will ask God to sensitize my heart to my need for Him. Do you know what sensitize means? Not sanitize. <laughs> We're not to, yeah, yeah, to make sensitive, right? To make it feel again. The Bible uses this picture of a heart of stone. And God wants to give it a heart of flesh. Stony hearts don't feel. They, they ricochet. Okay? But hearts of flesh feel. They bleed. They're pricked. And so each day this week, I will ask God to sensitize my heart to my need for Him.
I don't know what your decision is today, but I pray that God would move you to an action. I don't know what you've been suffering from physically, emotionally, spiritually. Whatever it is that has kept you far from God, whatever it is that has cut you off from others, Maybe it's something that every time it crosses your mind, it just sparks this pain in your heart and mind. Maybe it's something or someone you've lost that you just haven't forgiven God for. Maybe it's someone else's poor decision that has victimized your life and has traumatized your life since. Maybe it's something of your own choice, a destructive habit that has lingered with you, and you have no idea what to do about it, you feel every time you turn to God, you're, you have no connection there because maybe you're, you don't feel worthy, you feel guilty. I don't know what the story is, what your scourge is, what your affliction is that Jesus wants to heal you from, but Jesus can. So give yourself an opportunity to hear about Jesus when it's just you and him. And ask him to make your heart feel again, your need. I want to sing a song with you, and then, and then we'll have a close, closing prayer. Maybe you remember this chorus. I need thee, oh, I need thee. Every hour I need thee. Oh, bless me now, my Savior. I come to thee. Let's pray. Father in heaven, it's true, we need you. The reality is, sometimes we don't feel that. We don't even recognize or acknowledge that. But today, God, we're saying it by faith, whether we feel it or not. We need you. God, we thank you for opportunities to hear about Jesus. And if there is a soul today who is wondering if you care, Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would make it clear in their hearts and minds, penetrate their hearts and minds with the promise that you have not forgotten, that you have not forsaken, that you move to the individual need. And so today, God, we want to reach. We want to cling. We want to grab hold of your garments of salvation today. Jesus, I thank you for the healing that you're working even now in our midst. I thank you for your saving power, for your creative power, for your recreative power. And so today we want to rise up in faith, no longer being content with casual contact with you, God. Please change that. Undo that. Reverse that. Transform our hearts today, we pray. Not because we deserve it, because we need it. Oh Lord, please be our Savior. We love you. And thank you. In Jesus' name, let the family say, Amen. Amen. As you're being dismissed by our deacons today, um, you can give your, your Connect card to them, or you can give it to me at the door. All right. Blessings.